Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Fred Riley here with you. Another week of Bucko Talk. If you joined us last week, you know I wasn't sure at this time last week whether or not we'd be back with Bucko Talk. With everything that happened across the league, games suspended, and that's still happening. But we're back, and that's all that matters. Now, what really matters is what happens on the field. And as I like to do with Bucko Talk, take a look back at the past week. Because from this time last week to now, it feels like forever ago. It feels like forever ago that the Pirates lost Mitch Keller, as we were talking about that being a big deal. Him starting and getting the prized arm of the organization up and running and back to where he should be. Well, now he's hurt. And that feels like forever ago. And other things have happened. So we're going to take you through this past week. Now, baseball can give it and baseball can take it. And this was very much a week of that. The stretch by Taylor Rogers. The pitch. Ground ball. Up the middle of base and it's tied. Here comes Reynolds. And walk it off. Kevin Newman has done it again. A walk-off single to center. Whips off his helmet. Out come his teammates. And the Bucks defeat the Twins. And it feels good to say, raise the Jolly Roger here in Pittsburgh. And it's back. And this one is gone. It kept carrying. And somehow, Adam Frazier with a two-run home run with two strikes and two outs in the ninth has tied this game. The clock has struck 12. All right, so baseball give it some good. Thought you were going to have a lot better last night, but some good. A, a walk-off win Thursday off the bat of Kevin Newman, good. Come from behind, showing that fight that they still have in them last night, good. But baseball also taketh. The lefty Del Pozo's 2-0, a swing and a ball hammered to left base hit. Here comes Cabrera. C.J. Crone is behind him. It's a two-run single. Detroit leads 9-7. And all three inherited runners have come around to score. All will be assessed to Rios's line. Here comes Demerit. Throw is cut off. RBI single. 10 to 7 Detroit. Three straight singles off the bats of Stewart, Candelario, and Reyes have given Detroit the lead. Deeply out to center. Tucker turns around. It bangs off that wall. Two more runs are in. And Goodrum into second base with a two-out, two-run double, 12-7 Detroit. Just listen to the difference in Joe Block's voice from that Adam Frazier call to mm, Del Pozo. And there goes some runs. 
baseball mostly take it this week in the form of Miguel Del Pozo. And we're going to get to it. I, I, I jumped. I wasn't even covering one of the games this past week. Go all the way back to what was it, Monday? Derek Holland on the mound pitching really well against the Twins. And they end up bringing in Miguel Del Pozo to relieve him while they have a lead. I'm going to play that for you here in a minute. But Miguel Del Pozo, I don't know if I can do it anymore. I don't know how many times I can watch him get sent out there in these situations. And for him, some of it's not fair because they keep talking about, well, he's the only arm we have available, so we had to put him out there. So that stinks for him. But regardless, he entered last night with a 21.6 ERA. He pitched two innings, gave up three earned runs that went against him. Other runners came across, and his ERA went down. His ERA went down for two innings and three earned runs to 17.18. I don't know how much more Miguel Del Pozo I can take. I, I know it's not much. I know there's not a whole lot left in me to see Miguel Del Pozo pitching in these situations. Now, if they want to develop Miguel Del Pozo or they need to answer questions about what he is, fine. I don't love it, but I get it. But not when you have a lead. And if Miguel Del Pozo keeps being the only guy you have available, then you need to figure out different ways to use that bullpen. That can't keep happening. I, like I said, I jumped on the Derek, the, uh, Derek Shelton Zoom post game after Holland's last start where they brought in Del Pozo to relieve him with a lead because it just seemed like what in the world's going on here. There's the three batter minimum, and that got Del Pozo in a bunch of trouble because you could tell right out of the gates he didn't have it. Batter one pitch one of his appearance in that game. You knew he didn't have it. Well, buckle up. He has to stay in for three batters. And that's along the lines of what I asked Derek Shelton about. Does the three batter roll make it so that you sometimes have to roll the dice and put a guy out and say, Maybe I hope he gets this out and we'll go from there if he doesn't, or is that sort of a game you have to play with that new role now? I think it's a game you're playing with it. I don't know if rolling the dice is the right analogy, but there is an analogy where, I guess, maybe you are rolling the dice a little bit. You know, there's certain matchups you like, realizing that the third hitter's not. And I think, you know, we talked about this since they instituted the rule. It's why the way guys are designing their lineups to make it difficult for when they're looking at opposing teams, how you're going to how you're going to manage because if you get to that third guy, it may not be a matchup that you like or you'd want it in a normal situation. So Miguel Del Pozo keeps getting trotted out there, and we'll keep seeing how much longer that goes on because, frankly, when you look down at what's at Altoona in that satellite camp, guys that are on the 40-man roster that they could call up and moves that they could make to replace him, it gets a little more complicated. They acquired the guy from the Mets. They made that trade for cash. I mean, he has a career ERA in the sixes. He's not great, but it's not an ERA of Miguel Del Pozo sitting here today with 17.18. We'll see what happens, but I'm hoping less of Miguel Del Pozo in situations where they have a lead. You want to put out Miguel Del Pozo in a game where it's out of hand, you're getting your heads kicked in? Sure, that's what guys like that are for. That's where you find out what they are. Not these situations, but that's my. I'm, I'm off the Miguel Del Pozo soapbox here. I, I, I'm sure, though, if you tuned in this morning, you watched him last night, and you remember the last time we saw him, and you were upset as well. Now, looking more on the past week, we talked about the Mitch Keller injury. Lost for the year with the oblique injury. Nick Birdie got hurt. Such a shame. It, one of the nicest guys, and when he can pitch, really good. But the problem is, he rarely can stay healthy to pitch. 
And it's so bad, the injury, that they didn't know exactly what it was. They said it was the elbow, and they knew he was done for the year. Still waiting on word what it is, but it's not good. I can tell you that much. A little more bad, this team leads the league in walks with 71. Oscar Marine, the new pitching coach, has a man, a big task in front of him to turn this pitching staff and the Pirates pitching in general around. Some of the walks, maybe they're pitching a little more aggressive than they were last year, learning how to pitch a new way under him. We're going to have Jason Mackey on at 10 o'clock, and I'm going to ask him about that as well, what he's hearing from the Pirates on all these walks and if they have a way to explain them. You saw JT Brubaker make his starting debut. Everybody was very excited about Brubaker. He looked really good in the relief roles that we saw him this year, and they thought the stuff looked great. And then Miguel Sano hit a three-run home run that they tracked the exit velocity on, and it was the speed of light. And not to throw salt in the wound, Miguel Sano, who, you know, probably should be a pirate. Not this regime's fault, but that one still stings me, obviously. You saw the rosters cut down. Osuna and Heredia sent down. Osuna was interesting to me. He's their best defensive first baseman. The guy can pinch hit. He's one of the best pinch hitters in baseball from 2019. So it was interesting to see him go. You knew they weren't going to get rid of a pitcher. I called that before they made the roster cuts. Because, again, they're using Miguel Del Pozo in situations where they don't want to because they're so short with injuries and just the weirdness of this season. Some good, though. You know, I'm going to look glass half full. Jameson Tyone threw a curveball for the first time in his Tommy John rehab. And that's not bad. I mean, it's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not going to change anything now, but it's still good for the Pirates. And I still want to find some good in things right now. So Tyone said that was the pitch that hurt the most to throw before the curveball. He's throwing it again in his rehab. Good sign. One last good sign I did not see coming this week. Eric Gonzalez. Where in the world is this bat coming from all of a sudden? Derek Shelton talked about him a little bit. What have you seen from Eric Gonzalez in the you know, opportunities that he's got that has enabled him to sort of make an impression on you? Really consistent swings. I, I think for you guys that saw him last year in September, it was pretty close. You know, working back, I think Rick and Rabs have done a lot of good work with him. And, you know, his at-bats have been hard. Even the, the outs have been hard, just really consistent. I mean, what do you have, four hits tonight and six ribbies, uh, hit the ball all over the field. I mean, the boy hit out of the ballpark went a long way. Just really consistent, you know, something he was striving for. I know they've done a, you know, a slight tweak on a couple things he's working on, and he's really taken it in the game. So it's a credit to, to Gonzo, and it's a credit to, uh, to Acton Rabs, you know, isolating what they thought he was doing and then getting with him and, and talking to him about it. So Eric Gonzalez, maybe they figured something out. The old regime was very high on him. He looked okay in the spring last year. The season started. He didn't look good at all. Then he and Starling Marte, remember that collision, injured each other. And everybody thought Eric Gonzalez write this guy off. I thought that. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm ready to crown Eric Gonzalez their starting shortstop or anything like that. But when nobody else is really playing all that well, and he has one of your higher team, higher batting averages on the entire team, you know what, maybe run him out there. This is the season, as I keep saying, to figure out what you have in guys. Maybe this is where we find out what Eric Gonzalez can bring to the table. I think I know, but I've at least seen something right now that makes me think, okay, what do you have to lose? Let's find out if Eric Gonzalez can do something, because I, I don't think he's a huge part of the future, but worst-case scenario, 
Eric Gonzalez remains hot for this short, weird season, and you trade him at some point here. Maybe you get something for him. A shortstop that's hot and can maybe hit, you might be able to get something from another team. So if, if for no other reason than that, keep trotting him out there and let's see what he can do. Up next, I want to do our segment we're going to do every week here on Bucko Talk, what we learned about Derek Shelton this week. We still don't know a ton about Derek Shelton, the Pirates manager, how he's going to manage games. I know people aren't really thrilled. You go on social media, you go on Twitter. Uh, it, it took how many games are we into this season already? Today, I had follow me on Twitter, a fire Derek Shelton Twitter account. That didn't take long. I'm not ready to go anywhere near that far. So I want to learn a little bit more about Derek Shelton. I got some clips for you from the past week that are very telling about how he approaches games and how he approaches managing this team specifically. You're going to want to hear those. Stick with us. Craig Riley here on Bucko Talk. Follow us on Twitter at 937thefan, driven by Jim Shorkey Kia, Pittsburgh's number one Kia dealer. Shop all three locations at shorkeykia.com. Craig Riley back with Bucko Talk every Saturday, 9 to 11. I am here breaking down the past week, teaching you a little bit about Derek Shelton, giving you my thoughts on what I'm upset about this week, since that's generally what comes out on this show. Miguel Del Pozo in the first segment was part of that for this week, but I'm not going to belabor that point. Right now, I want to bring to you what we've learned. Every week, I will have this segment for you, what we learned about Derek Shelton. There's still so much to sort of peel back about the new Pirates manager as we figure out who he is as a manager, how he wants to manage a team. I think this year, it's going to be incredibly difficult to figure that out because he's managing a team that lacks a whole lot of talent. So, his hands are tied, but he still has to manage the team, and we can still figure out a little bit about him. Cook and Joe show every Wednesday at noon has Derek Shelton on, and I think it is some of our best insight into who he is as a manager. We're learning a lot by watching him on the field and what they're doing. More to come on his ejection from last night's game. You're going to want to hear that. But they get into the thought process more behind why he's doing what he's doing. And they talked with him this week. And one of the things that, I mean, they cut right to it this week and asked him a question that I'm sure is uncomfortable for any manager to have to answer, but it's one that needs answered. How much of the lineup card belongs to him? Sometimes GMs, you know, they have a, a little say in it. You ever watch Moneyball? You know how that relationship went? The GM can get a little over-involved with those, and with some of the lineups we've seen, given that there's been a different lineup every single game so far this year, I thought it was a fair question. Pirates manager Derek Shelton on the Hall and Capitas fan hotline. How does it work day-to-day on lineups and and pitcher usage, uh, Sheltie? How much autonomy do you have on putting out that lineup and what your, what your usage is going to be on a given day? Total autonomy, or do you meet with Ben or, or analytics people? or How does that work on a given day? No, I have total autonomy, I 100%. I mean, we talk amongst the staff. Uh, to see what we're feeling. And, you know, a lot of the pitching, like I think like you guys are alluding to, is health-based. And we have to be extremely mindful of of what our health is going forward. Because, again, going back to the initial point, I mean, we've already lost four guys out of our bullpen. We've already lost one of our starters. We have multiple people in our bullpen that are coming off significant injuries, you know, in previous years. And I, I think the fact because we have – you know, we, because we've had this short ramp up, you're in a situation where you have to be careful of guys getting hurt. I mean, as as much as that probably, you know, is difficult to hear, 
it's one of the things that, that we, we have to put into play. But in terms of putting out lineups or making decisions, it's total autonomy. And, Shelty, let me go back to, to lineup construction and pitcher usage just for a minute. And you said on a day-to-day basis when you sit down to put out that card, it's, it's 100% autonomy. I'm wondering, are there general sort of patterns or edicts that you either collaborate on or come from above? For example, let's make sure we get a, this guy, a Cole Tucker or somebody like that. You have to find, we have to find a way to get him at bats. Or this guy, you, you can't use this guy on back-to-back days uh, pitching-wise. That type of thing, if you're working under some general parameters that are either decided above you or collaboratively decided. Okay, so that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Th- those two things are completely separate. So in terms of the lineup, yeah, there's one that's 100% my decision. You know, I will collaborate with the staff and, and talk to them, I think, is, most managers do in terms of how guys' bodies are feeling or what's going on or what their swing's doing or what we're doing defensively, but that's 100% uh, my decision. In terms of pitcher health, you know, that is a discussion that we have not only with our pitching coaches but with our medical staff, and there are, you know, there are certain days where guys aren't available. But that was, you know, we knew that coming into this season that that we were going to have guys in terms of their workload and management because of, of previous injuries. And then the other thing that comes into play is just general baseball common sense is when a guy throws, you know, so many pitches one day or throws so many pitch or throws so many days, you know, two of three or three or four, or however that is, and we're in a shortened season, then they're not going to be used, you know? And, and again, I think that would be, you know, it's becoming more challenging or has become more challenging because of the fact that we're dealing with the three week ramp up and we're dealing with, uh, you know, the ability to, to be on the field and three exhibition games too, going back to it, you know, in terms of getting work in. So there's a lot of factors. So on the, on the pitching side, there is a lot of discussion and some of it is based on health. Some of it is based on the health of players, not only for this year, but, but moving forward to make sure that, that we can continue. And, and again, like I stated earlier, you know, this is not just a, a Pittsburgh thing. This is a league wide thing in terms of usage and, uh, you know, the, the, threat of injury or the fact that guys have gotten injured is very real. Okay, so that's how the thought process goes of getting to the point where decisions are made. How much of it belongs to him, the collaborative collaborative efforts, all of it. All of it comes out to Derek Shelton has, say, over the lineup card. That's his period, end of story. As for everything else, collaborative efforts, hey, what's this guy's health? What do we want to do with this guy? Development and all that. That's how it gets done. Now, I know that doesn't answer, what about the choices he is making? Which has been a bone of contention, I know, for a lot of Pirate fans early on. I mean, very early on in Derek Shelton tenure here. But, I know people aren't thrilled with the decisions they're seeing made. This pitcher being brought in at this time, not pinch hitting for this guy, leaving some players in too long, all of that. So he was also asked about the idea of development of players over winning choices he makes, all of that, and this was a little back and forth from him and Ron Cook. i got a tough question to, to open with, uh, Shelty, and I, I think we've probably seen this with younger teams, with struggling teams, really in all of sports, uh, certainly in baseball. I think it looks to a lot of people like the development of players, the auditioning of players for certain roles, and maybe protecting certain players' health uh, are sometimes sort of prioritized over winning a game on a given night 
Is that fair? Uh, I think the second part, I don't think overwinning a game every night uh, is necessarily fair. I think the fact of, to your second point, we have to identify health-wise, as we have seen in this season already, because we've lost, what, four relievers and a starter. And I think if you pull up the transactions every night and watch how starting pitching and relief pitching is starting to, to fall because of injuries, and I think we talked about this last week and even the week before. In a three-week ramp-up, we were really concerned about relievers. And I think you're seeing this not only in Pittsburgh, but you're seeing it in multiple places where guys are going down, uh, maybe attributed to the short ramp-up, maybe attributed to other things. But, you know, you're losing – teams are losing pitchers, and certainly the Pirates are losing pitchers uh, because of the fact of injuries. And then the second point to that is I, I think we're – we're going to make evaluations on people, and that's not necessarily to say it's you know purely 100% development, but uh, I think we are going to make evaluations on who they are. It is definitely not at the cost of winning games, but when you have guys that start out and they're struggling, you know, you're going to give other guys opportunities. Derek, I think Joe asked that question, and it's the kind of one I have, too. I think guys, people on the outside, not, not just people, me, are a little a little confused on how you're using people and your lineups, never really the same, how you're using the bullpen. The one that really stands out is bringing in that kid the other night in Minnesota when you had a chance to win a game, and he's That's had Popo, trouble though. throwing strikes. You had other options there. I'm just wondering, are your decisions who you're going to pitch made in advance? I, I mean, how much fluid uh, 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 do you have that can change on the fly? It almost looks to the outsider that you, you have a list of who you're going to pitch every night in certain situations, and no matter the game, you pitch them. Um, just, maybe you can explain how you, your decision to use some of these guys. Well, I think to, to some respect uh, you do because of who's available that night. So, I mean, the fact that your assumption of when I think you're talking about Del Prozo brought him into the game because I have other options, uh, that would be making the assumption that you knew who I had available. So there, there are situations where there are people available and people are not available, and some of it has to do with health. Yeah, 100%, you know, moving forward and how guys have pitched. And the other factors is, you know, we feel like we get good matchups, and sometimes, you know, those don't work out, and, and that's how baseball plays. And then to your, to your lineup question, I mean, yeah, there's, at times there's going to be consistency, at times there's not. But in the situation we have where we have some guys struggling and are continuing to work through things, we have to make sure that, uh, we give other people the opportunity to see if, you know, they're going to, uh, get, get going or get hot. So there you go. The back and forth between Ron Cook and Derek Shelton there at the end. There was more to it. You want to hear all that? Go to 93.7thefan.com. The Derek Shelton Show is posted on our website every week. So we learn a little bit more about Shelton. A little testy there with Ron, I think, about, hey, this is what it is. This is what we have. This is what I have to work with. It's not great. Nobody always knows who I have available to me. People assume. And like last night, Del Pozo. We're going to hear more about that later on, too, about how they got into that situation with Del Pozo yet again. Up next, we're going to hear from Derek Shelton on his ejection last night. Learn a little bit more about the Pirates manager who gets the old heave-ho for the first time. And I'm also going to tell you why I absolutely can hate advanced metrics at times. Not all the time. There's a time and a place for them. I think we're going way overboard with them. That's still to come. Craig Riley here on Bucko Talk.
You can text us on the Edgar Snyder and Associates fan text line at 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder and Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Craig Riley back with Bucko Talk. Another segment this hour before Jason Mackey joins me at 10 o'clock. We have a lot to get into with Jason. Really looking forward to talking with him. I think Jason, one of the better people on the beat for this Pirates team this year, and enjoy getting his perspective. So that's still to come. I promised you a little bit on Derek Shelton from last night. Got tossed out of his first game as a manager. Nobody knows what he said. It didn't sound like he was too thrilled with the ejection, though. So let's hear from him on what happened last night. Shelton, can you, can you, I mean, what happened with the, the ejection? Um, I mean, I think I have a pretty good idea of what was said out there, what was the point you were trying to make. Uh, we had a slight disagreement on where the pitch location was, and uh, and you know he actually ejected me. I didn't think it was extremely warranted from the initial conversation of it, and then once you know I was ejected, I kind of told him uh, what I felt about the call. The kind of what I felt about the call part is what I want to hear. I want to know what was said after the ejection. Because, I mean, to hear Shelton say it, it didn't get super contentious before that. There wasn't a big back and forth that he thought was worth getting ejected. A lot of times, you'll hear guys just own up to it. Like, yeah, you know what? I went out there. I knew what was going to happen. I said some things I know I shouldn't have said, and I got tossed. It happens. But for him to say, I didn't think it was warranted, I got a feeling in the moment when he felt that way, he probably then was like, all right, now I'm really going to let you know how I feel. If we're really going to do a segment every week, what we learned about Derek Shelton the past week, i got to try and find a way to get the audio of what was said. And, the, and we can't do the lip reading, which stinks, because of the masks and all that, and they need the masks. I get it. It's the smart thing to do. But I miss being able to read the lips of a manager just throwing every expletive he can think of at an umpire. And, and hey, that may be how we learn the most about Derek Shelton this year when he gets fired up like that. So good to see him get a, standing up for his guys like that last night. Want to make sure you heard that as we get through our what we learned about Derek Shelton this week's segment. All right. Now, for my own little soapbox moment here, this is bucko talk, but it's baseball talk in general. And every week there's going to be something that I really like or something that bothers me, and I'm going to come here and this is my, this is my forum to vent about it. This week is a lot of the talk about advanced metrics. They have their place in baseball. They tell you a lot about a lot of players. The problem for me with advanced metrics right now, and I know this is going to be one of those conversations that the older generation is going to love it, the younger generation is probably going to hate me for it. I'm hoping people land somewhere in between on this after you hear me out. Advanced metrics tell you how a player is good or can be good or potential they have based off things they can do. What they don't do is show you the whole picture, though. Sometimes people need to look up and just watch a game. Use your eyes. Hey, that player looks to me like he stinks. And some are like, oh, well, his exit velocity is this. His defensive UZR, all these ranges, he can do this. They'll give you every number in the book to tell you that a guy can do something well. I'm sure for most players in the majors... There's at least one number you can find that tells you, hey, this guy's good at that. Because you know what? They're pros, and it takes a lot to get to the majors. But that doesn't always mean they're good. Gregory Polanco right now, I keep seeing this. He has one of the highest exit velocities in baseball. Yes, I can agree with you. That's good. When a guy hits the ball, I want him to hit it hard. 
That doesn't tell me Gregory Polanco's a good player. Gregory Polanco hits the ball, I mean, right now, what, once out of, one out of every ten at-bats? Okay, so one out of ten, he hits the ball real hard. Great. I'd like to see him actually hit the ball more. Let's start with that. Gerard Dyson, the Pirates signed him. All I heard about, oh, the defensive metrics. Through the roof. This guy. The defense. It's incredible. He's going to steal a ton of bases. Sure. The numbers tell us that. We're starting to see it. Gerard Dyson had a huge impact on a game this week where he stole second, stole third, came around and scored, got the Pirates back in a game. That's good. Gerard Dyson, also good defensively. They, they have numbers that will tell you those things. But you know what else I'll do? I'll open my eyes and see a guy that can't hit. To make up for his bat, he probably has to be one of the best defensive center fielders we've ever seen. And he's not getting any younger. He's coming off surgery in, what, two of the last three years. And this isn't to pick on Gregory Polanco and Gerard Dyson. We're in Pittsburgh. I have to use the examples that are in front of me. I am positive across the league I can find you players on every team that somebody's going to throw out a defensive metric to justify a guy hitting 200. Ah, but he hits the ball real hard. Ah, his batting average on balls in play, it's too high, he's going he's gonna to regress. Is that what we're seeing with Brian Reynolds right now? Maybe, but I'm not going to discredit what Brian Reynolds did last year because of it. Pitcher's numbers on bat, batting average on balls in play. All of these things. I can sometimes just open my eyes and say, this guy good, this guy's bad. Sometimes it just needs to be that simple. What was it in Bull Durham? See the ball, hit the ball. And I'm not, this is probably coming off as grumpy old man now that I'm into it. And I, this is not what I anticipated it becoming. I am very open and use all of these metrics. But I don't let them tell me the whole story on a player. That's my problem. Sometimes, too, it can be for different reasons. Nick Birdie, for instance. Nick Birdie's measurables, oh, his spin rate. Spin rate, that's the big one. That ball spins a ton. Do you see that thing? They, they, they use the track man. They use the Rapsodo. They'll tell you all about this equipment nobody knows anything about, other than that's the name of it, and it measures something. And all that's great. But for a guy like Nick Birdie, it's also about staying healthy, and that doesn't happen. So these are the things that bug me. And like I said, I have the form to vent, and once in a while when I see something I, I need to vent about, this is going to be what happens. This was the one that got me this week, all these advanced metrics. Yes, spin rate, launch angle, exit velocity. They all tell a story, but they're not the complete story about players. Sometimes we can just sit back and look at a guy and watch him play. And be like, eh, you know what? Yeah, that guy hits the ball hard. He's not that good, though. And that's okay. It's okay to say that. When somebody wants to tell you, you say a guy's not good, and they throw out all these numbers at you, oh, but he does this well. His launch angle, it's elite level. The exit velocity, elite. Great. But I'm watching the guy play, and he's not very good. That's okay to say sometimes. That's my, I guess, grumpy old man rant that I didn't expect to come out that way. I, I, I like advanced metrics. I'm okay with them. I will use them. ERA+. plus. Stuff like that, that's a good one. OPS Plus, those aren't super deep. I like those the most. But when you get really deep in there and people start trying to justify that a player's good 
based off one stat that he's good at, but everything else, when you look at him, tells you he stinks. Maybe the player just isn't that good. It can, it can be that simple. It's okay. All right, that's the end of my rant. Jason Mackey comes up next. I'm going to ask Jason where he comes down on advanced metrics at some point, but I also want to talk to him about what's going on with this bullpen, piggybacking Colin Brault, when we could see that stop at some point, and what we're hearing about Keone Kella, who hopefully will be back soon and helping this bullpen. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.